This episode of the Cincy Shirts Podcast is brought to you by Cincy in a Box, the home of Cincinnati-themed gift boxes with free shipping within the U.S. and to our overseas military personnel. Perfect for corporate events, out-of-town guests, or anyone near and far who loves Cincinnati. Customizable with your choice of local favorites, including favorite Cincinnati foods, souvenirs, and treats. Get $5 off with the code CINCYSHIRTS. Simply head to CincyInABox.com to place your order today. Again, that's CincyInABox.com. And again, save $5 with the code CINCYSHIRTS. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 86. Today on our show, the voice of the Cincinnati Cyclones, Everett Fitzhugh. The longest bus trip I think that I've been on here in Cincinnati was about 23 hours. We were going down to Fort Myers, and our bus broke down outside Ooh. of um, Atlanta. Everett loves hockey, and we talk not only about the Cyclones, but minor league hockey in general, the arena situation right now, uh, one day bringing an NHL team to town, perhaps, and much, much more. If you're liking the podcast, you can support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com. Chip in whatever you feel is fair. Uh, and, of course, visit this episode's sponsor, Cincy in a Box. Of course, you can get a great deal with the code CINCYSHIRTS, so do check them out. Also, be sure to listen for the special promo code for our sites at the end of the episode here. You're going to get 20% off at oldschoolshirts.com and cincyshirts.com. And now, let's talk to Everett Fitzhugh. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I, Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. Are you from, from Cincinnati? No, I'm actually from Detroit. Right on. Yeah, from Detroit, but I've spent most of my adult life in Ohio. I went to Bowling Green. Yay! Yes. Falcons. You got a something in common with our boy P.F. here. <laughs> there you go. Went to BG, and then uh, I lived uh, in Chicago for a year and a half, moved to Youngstown for a year, um, and then now I've been here for four years. This is my fifth year, holy fifth year, uh, going on my fifth year. Wow. Oh, okay. So you're, <laughs> so. Still, you're still somewhat new to I'm still a little new. Yeah. I'm still a little new trying to get... Uh, some of the newer things out of the way, like I kind of, you get your staples and you're able to find things that you like doing, but you know, I'm trying to discover some new things and branch out a little bit. Yeah. What do you like doing? Um, so I, I'm a big, uh, bar fan. Like I love going to new bars, trying out new bars. Yeah. Um, a lot of those opening up. I don't like being indoors. So if I can just be, I'll I'll walk around downtown for five hours if, if if it means I'm just sitting sitting outside getting outside. But um, Kings Island, I do that once a year. Yeah, I love roller coasters. Um, growing up in Detroit, you got Cedar Point, which is essentially right down the road up in yep. Sandusky. Oh so yeah, man, that was uh, that was a lot of fun growing up. Uh, my girlfriend's got me into going to more concerts now that I would never thought I would go see him, but they were really good. Actually, going to uh, Chainsmokers tonight. Oh, okay. Yeah, at yeah. the arena. So that's going to be. Yeah, really so they're at the game last night, or yeah. doing something. Oh, okay. <clears throat> they threw out the first pitch, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Saw them at Bunbury a couple. Of, well, Hannah and Lizzie did. Okay. Kind of stayed yeah. on the bridge and just watched from afar. <laughs> but 
A uh, lot more DJ-ish than a I A lot guess. more... Well, and I'm, I'm a big EDM That's what fan. they are, they're yeah. DJs. Well, I know, but I figured... Um, you thought it'd be more songs? Yeah. More smoking? Yeah, yeah. Or, well, <laughs> because, because their songs are that are hit on the radio are songs. That's the thing. Yeah. And, well, uh, I think a lot... I think they, they make the beats. I think they just make the the music. And I think, don't, uh, don't the artist just sample and... Well, usually in that case, it's like I'm, I'm a big fan. I like EDM in four minute chunks. So got like it. When okay. like a David Guetta works with yes. or like, I lo- that's a fantastic. Four minutes. But, you got four an hour, hour chunks of oh. No, no, no. Th- an hour throwing your hands you in the air. You can build no. up in pass. four minutes. That's a hard, that's a hard <laughs> drop. The, the drop doesn't even come till <laughs> three fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, do the songs great, but other than that, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, so. Uh, so what brought you to the Cyclones then, or how 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 that progressed? Um, so actually, I've, I've been brought, I've been doing broadcasting my entire again my adult life. I got started in college, and then um, I was working for a team in Youngstown, the Youngstown Phantoms, and they uh, um, were a junior hockey team, which is like I guess right below college. So you go junior hockey, you go to college, and then you go to pros or. Um, you know, retire or whatever. So I did that. And then uh, the broadcaster here, uh, Nick Brunker, was leaving. Okay. One of my good friends worked in Orlando at the time. And he said, hey, uh, since these guys is, is leaving, do you want to apply? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I've been trying to get a Youngstown for a bit. Like, it was, it was a nice situation. But, you know, everybody wants to progress and get to that next level, right? So um, he was like, yeah, young or, uh, Cincinnati's hiring and, and um, send me your stuff. So I sent my stuff in, gave my resume, my demo. I get a call probably a week and a half later from the GM saying, like, hey, we want to set you up for an interview. Did a phone interview, came in for an in-person interview, and it was a pretty quick process. I think I, I got – I found out about the job <clears throat> maybe a little bit before Memorial Day, and I think my first day was like June 15th, June 16th. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. My The fastest turnaround I've ever had in my entire life when nice. the job. So like, get in. Get it pretty much, which I don't mind. I didn't mind that because – They got to get moving in the offseason. They season. do. They do. And then I appreciate – that we appreciate that as an organization because my position around sports, we're the last people to get hired. You bring your sales folks in first, you bring your corporate folks in first, your marketing folks in first. A lot of broadcasters, your season will start, your camp will start late September. The broadcaster doesn't even get hired until after Labor Day. So you're trying to um, get all your ducks in a row and you're trying to learn a new team and learn a new city and catch up on the fly. So it was really good having that first full summer to kind of get into everything and become acquainted with the organization, with the city, with pro hockey, because I was going from junior to pro hockey, which is a completely different animal. So learning all that throughout the course of the summer was really cool. Yeah. So what's it like on the junior <laughs> level? I mean, you, I mean, you, is there that, that much information out there about all the players and all you, that stuff? You like, know what? Now I can't that, imagine. Like, what would you say? <laughs> so so now there is. It's funny. You're the creepy guy like, hey, gotcha. <laughs> So I can write down these notes and I, I, I tell you what, like <clears throat> you want to talk creepy. There were there were you know some of these towns that that we went to. I mean, you're it in that town. Like they treat the and, the, and these are sixteen to twenty twenty one year old kids. So you've got you know old Marv who works third shift at the 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 packing plant downtown, like investing his life into this team for the last like forty years. 
That's kind of creepy. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, nowadays, junior hockey is a lot like football. It's a lot like basketball. I mean, they start keeping tape and notes and film on these guys from the time that they're, you know, 10 years old, 11 years old. So because there isn't a really large market for high school hockey outside of Minnesota, Michigan, parts of Illinois, you have to play junior hockey. So this is the first time when they're 16, 17 to 20 years old that they really get that notoriety. NHL scouts take notice. Obviously, college scouts take notice. The league that I worked for was the top junior league in the U.S., and all of their players received D1 offers. So that's 340-some-odd players receiving Division One offers. So because they're getting wow. the attention and they want to be scouted by Ohio State, Miami, Michigan, Notre Dame, Minnesota, whatever, you have a lot of stuff out there. So it wasn't that hard in terms of preparation. But, I mean, they are kids. So I think you got a lot of kids who are learning the game, so it may not be as crisp as the ECHL, just as the ECHL isn't as crisp as the AHL, which is the AHL isn't as crisp as the NHL. You know what I mean? So you, you, you learn and you get better as you get older. But the Junior Hockey League was a lot of fun. We played 60 games a year. Um, you play only on weekends. Where Youngstown was, it was kind of an outlier. So twice a year we had a 15-hour bus trip to middle of nowhere in Nebraska or upstate North Dakota, which, again, you know, you get to go places that you never normally would go. I mean, I don't know too many people have been to Fargo, North Dakota. I've been there three times. You know, I'm, wow. you're right. So Exactly. So I've been to Alaska a handful of times and, um, you know, so that was a lot of fun. But <laughs> like I said, you, you want to you wanna get to that next level and you want to keep climbing the ladder. So it was fun, but I was, I was super excited when uh, Kristen and uh, the Cyclones offered me the position back in 2015. So were you a hockey fan growing up? Yes, I'm a huge hockey fan. <clears throat> Excuse me, growing up in Detroit. I mean, we are hockey town, so that is true. I uh, I got into hockey right around um, third grade, so that was right around the time the Red Wings won their back to back championships in ninety. 96, 97, 97, 98. So when they won their back-to-back championships, the whole city was a buzz. And I was like, all right, this is a pretty – because I, I was a big ba- – I still am a big baseball fan. I grew up playing baseball. I was going to be the starting center fielder for the Tigers. I was going to – like, that was that was my dream. Ernie Harwell was my idol. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I grew up a really big baseball fan. Um, but I became a hockey fan in school. And that quickly took over um, as probably like the most exciting sport that I love to watch. And that's kind of how I worked into hockey because my love for baseball, I didn't want to work in baseball. I don't want to ruin it for me because I know a lot of people who work in baseball and, you know, you play, if, if you're in Major League Baseball, you're doing 162 games a year. If you're in the minors, you're doing 154. I've got friends of mine who are minor league broadcasters. The hardest thing to do is to call a baseball game by yourself. And I, I did a few of those when I was in college, and I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Yeah. Like, it is, it is it is difficult to Let's do. Let's open up the phone line. I mean, you want to. There was, there was a time when I was in college, and Bowling Green was getting beat, like, oh, 10 to 1 in the second inning. It was cold. It was in March. Or one of those early season games. I think we were playing Youngstown State or Dayton or some – some Ohio school like that, and it was just, it was me and my broadcast partner, who was my roommate at the time, and by the third inning, we were just telling stories of, like, our college career, like, we were just, <laughs> oh, the pitch, uh, I 
strike strike one or something. Anyway, uh, so you see the other day, like we were we were holding our own little radio show on the radio. So, so who carried the games? Is WFAL, BGU? Uh, so WBGU carried women's basketball and hockey. And then football games when women's basketball and hockey didn't uh, get in the way because we were the flagship for those two states, uh, those two teams. And then FAL carried everything else. So okay. we did baseball, we did volleyball, we did softball, um, we did soccer. Um, we tried to do a cross country meet that didn't work over so well. Hmm. I bored up that one. That was a miserable four hours. Um, but uh, <laughs> so yeah, we did it pretty. We we did it all. But so yeah. But my love for baseball is why I'm not working in baseball. But I would not want to work in any other sport other than hockey. Like hockey is the most fun, most action packed sport you could work in, and I I would not change it for anything. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah. Detroit's really a hockey town? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the, I almost, I got almost the Lions, you got the Pistons. Uh, sweatshirt, so. You got oh, the yeah? Tigers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> the, Red Wings, the Red Wings are bigger than all that, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. They have for even when I was in college, it was uh, my roommate, uh, was who's also from Cleveland, he's from uh, uh, Elyria. Uh, since Cleveland didn't have a team, he had a, his team was the Red Wings, and of course I was the Blues, and we mm-hmm. bet every time they played, and I would usually lose back then. So, oh, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Well, the thing about it, too, is, I mean, Detroit is, I mean, you're right across the river from Windsor. I mean, it's like yeah. Cincinnati and Newport and Covington. It's, yeah. it's right there. So not only do you have that that Canadian influence right there, the Red Wings are one of the original six teams from yep. back in the 20s, 30s. And also there is a huge youth hockey culture in Detroit. I mean, outside of the city, like when you get into the suburbs, Everybody and their and their uncle and their brother plays hockey at some level. High school hockey's big. You've got midget, minor, peewee hockey. That's all big. Um, I think uh, so. There's a huge hockey tournament in Canada every year called the Brick, and that's like the biggest youth hockey tournament. But I think the second or third biggest tournament in North America is held in Detroit every year, and they get like three, four hundred teams from around the uh, the country, around the uh, the continent playing in this youth hockey tournament. So, um, you know, it, it, it's pretty much, in terms of, I would say, Chicago, Detroit, Buffalo, New York. Those are kind of your big three, outside of Minnesota, of course. Yeah. Um, and then Pittsburgh's doing a really good job with their youth hockey, trying to grow it up here. Um, and and Sidney Crosby and the success of the Penguins has really helped that. Um, but, yeah, Detroit, it was called Hockey Town. The Red Wings uh, at Joe Louis Arena, actually, their center ice logo was Hockey Town on top of the Red Wings logo. So they were... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was... Uh, and so then, it's a thing. It's it a thing. thing. Yeah. It, it, it is a... Hey, if, I don't... I've... Uh, I listened to the song when I was growing up, but there's a song. It's called... Uh, Hey, hey, hockey town! And that's like the Red Wings official like team song, if you will. And it's like they, oh yeah, Kid Rock and all the you look at all the famous yeah. musicians from Detroit. Like they love hockey, and they're always talking about hockey town. Awesome. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the youth hockey like in Cincinnati? Like I I got a couple kids. I'm not yeah. sure I've ever. Uh, There's the one rink over in Sharonville. They've never yeah, said, "Hey, Dad, I want to play hockey." You or, know, I mean, like we're not. It doesn't seem like we're exposed to it that much locally. Well, that's and that's uh, it's funny you say that. That's what we're trying to do. Uh, our GM, Kristen Rop, she just established. I say I say just over the past couple of years, um, the Cincinnati Cyclones Foundation. Her uh, kid plays hockey. She's from Pittsburgh. Um, she's lived here in Cincinnati though for. 13, 15 years, something like that. And she's seen the popularity of what Sidney Crosby and what 
the Penguins who were, you know, Pittsburgh's a football town. The Steelers run that town, right? And then before the Steelers, it was the Pirates. Like, that was, hockey was kind of an afterthought. And even when the Penguins came, I mean, you had Mario Lemieux play there back in the day. Like, even when the Penguins came, it was just kind of this novelty thing. And youth hockey in Pittsburgh has gotten so big. And we're trying to use that same grassroots community-based model here. You've got a few teams um, in Cincy. You've got the Swords, who play out of uh, Sports Plus in Sharonville. You've got uh, the Northern Kentucky Norse. They play over in uh, over Northern Kentucky. And then Indian Hill um, has their own hockey program. I think they're the Rangers. So those are the three uh, main, I should say, youth hockey programs around here. And our goal is, is to try to bring our players to these practices and to get more kids um, interested in playing hockey. We're doing a learn to skate program this year where uh, seven Sundays throughout the fall, we're going to be hosting learn to skate classes at U.S. Bank Arena with our coaches, um, with a few of the players uh, from the Swords and our ice crew to help kids learn how to skate because yeah, that's step one. That's step one. You got to <laughs> learn how to skate. Northland Ice Center over in uh, Evendale. Also, Sports Plus, they all have learn to skate programs as well. And it's interesting you say that because the notoriety and, and trying to find out where these programs are because i mean this is let's face it from an from an outsider perspective i'm not from cincinnati so as an outsider like this is a this is a high school sports town and there's nothing wrong with that i mean that people love the football obviously you've got the reds you've got the Bengals, you've got um Bengals are kind of high school Bengals are kind of high school sometimes jv squad sometimes college basketball (laughs) college basketball is huge you know you've got what five major d1 schools within two hours of here yep you know so i mean that's that's huge um FC, you know, with what they've been able to do over the past couple of years has been amazing. So, you know, being able to to try and find your footprint within a city like that can be challenging. And that's why we feel it's so important to get to that grassroots level and to get kids and to get young people thinking hockey and, yeah. and thinking, wow, this is a cool sport. I want to go to a Cyclones game. I want to learn how to skate. I want to learn how to play eventually long, long time down the road, hopefully not too long down the road, but our long-term goal is to be able to have a learn-to-skate program. Those kids graduate into the learn-to-play program, and then when they get done with the learn-to-play program, uh, they get a whole new set of gear, like they get pads, and, and we would underwrite that whole thing. Um, you know. And there's been all types of talk about, you know, do we maybe want to establish a youth Cyclones team? I mean, do we want to, if, if this, um, you know, if, if there's ever another sheet of ice ever built in the, in the city, you know, that could be another opportunity to just expand that youth hockey initiative even more. So our coaching staff, Matt Thomas, who just signed a brand new contract, he's all about youth hockey. Both of his kids play youth hockey. Our assistant coach is very involved in youth hockey. So that is, Outside of winning on the ice, our biggest goal is to try and help establish that youth hockey presence and getting people to talk about us and interested in that game and playing the game of hockey. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be a challenge when you think of, like, you know, soccer is very popular, and yeah. basically you just need a ball yeah. and some grass. Yeah, that's why it's so all around the world. And then now mm-hmm. i got to learn how to skate. Now i got yeah. this... You know this fl- puck uh, flying at my head, and you got uh, just don't be a goalie. All I mean, the that's pads the expensive and everything part. else. Uh, yeah, I mean it's got to be intimidating to yeah. even just get into it. You're like, you know, that's a big investment. And they're like, man, what if I suck? Well, and it's not only that too. I mean, like that's why. So I I didn't even learn how to skate until I was 22 years old. I I, I learned how to skate in some rental uh, figure skates in college. I, I took I took my learn to skate class. I needed an extra credit. 
And the girl that I had a big crush on was also in the class, so I think it was a no-brainer at the time. <laughs> of course. Uh, right? That's, 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 that's why guys do a lot of the stuff we do is because we've got a crush on someone. So. <laughs> uh, but, no, I, I think uh, I, I think it was the reason why is hockey is a very expensive sport. And, you know, parents will come to find out quickly, you know, if you want to outfit your kid head-to-toe in brand-new hockey gear, you're going to be dropping two, three grand. You know, for skates and for sticks. I mean, a stick alone is two hundred fifty bucks. And oh wow, know. is it that much? Yeah. Again, and, and again, unless you're independently wealthy, or you know, it, it can be challenging. Yeah, and no I wonder think. Indian Hell has a rink. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, you know, it can be challenging, and and but again, that's that's where we come in. That's where we want to come in to be able to say, you know what, we understand that hockey is a very expensive sport. We understand that it can be kind of cost cost prohibitive, especially when you want to try and you're talking about maybe getting inner city kids involved maybe kids who aren't as uh you know well off socioeconomically regardless of of your race gender whatever you we want to be able to to get everyone involved in hockey and i think that's the long-term goal is that investment in the community being able to say you know what yeah it's going to cost fifteen hundred dollars two thousand dollars to to help outfit your kid let us take care of that cost let us help you um become you know, a Cincinnati hockey player. And, you know, again, that could be a couple years down the road. That could be five years. That could be 10. We don't know, but that's, that's the, the main goal that we're striving towards. But, you know, soccer, like you said, super popular. Basketball, obviously, I mean, everyone's played basketball. Every, especially around here, everyone's played football. It was too dangerous for me. I'm 6'3", 250 pounds, and my mom still treats me like I'm a little five-year-old, you know, <laughs> like, oh, it's too dangerous. You can't do it. But, I always wanted to play football growing up. I never could play football. That's why I played baseball. But, yeah, the, the hockey, although it's expensive, it is one of those things that every kid that I know who's played hockey and people who play youth hockey, they love it. You know, there's something about that team aspect, that camaraderie aspect of being in a locker room and playing a very unique sport that not everyone can play. And I think that's what makes it so special. How, what about bringing in like the older fans that maybe are interested in like playing it as a recreational sport, but just to get, get your garden variety sports fan? Yeah, yeah and and so so again, going back to that learn to skate program, that's open for all ages. I mean, if you're you know sixty years old and you've never been on a pair of skates before, come on down. We learn to love you. Uh, we we love to help you learn how to skate, but. We want a, we want all fans to be hockey fans. We want to turn Cincinnati into a hockey a hockey town. You know, we want Cincinnati to be hockey town Ohio. And you know, we've got a lot of fans who were here in the old Swords days and who were here back in the '60s and the Stingers and the '70s. And you know, they've been season ticket holders for a very very long time. So, you know, the older fan, I think. They they know a lot already about us, or they've ex- they've been exposed to us, and um, you know our goal with them is to try to get them out more to our games and have them interact acting maybe with our players a bit more and, and, and getting them in the community. But uh, for the for the youth aspect, it's about taking the game to them. I think for the older crowd, it's about bringing bringing them to the game. It's about taking the game to the kids at the youth rank for us. Well, the Cyclones have been here on and off in one form or another. It's actually three different franchises yeah. uh, since the 80s. And yet it still flies under the radar, still, uh, you know, I guess you could call it a, a small but loyal falling when yeah. compared to, like, the college basketball teams. How do you keep people, you know, interested? Because it's it's covered a little bit on TV, mm-hmm. but it seems like, you know, the Cyclones have to do a lot more work to get, to get that attention. 
I mean, <laughs> honestly, I, I feel like I feel like the, the the main answer for that is, you know, it's, it's a four letter league. Unfortunately, I mean, I think you see Major League Baseball, you see NFL, you see obviously NCAA with with Kentucky being right over the border in Kentucky and Indiana, kind of battling for college or for basketball supremacy, right? And um, with as big as football, high school football is in Cincinnati. Hockey just is a very niche sport, and a lot of folks didn't grow up with hockey. A lot of people didn't grow up with it. So, you know, I grew up playing basketball or baseball or football. You know, all the Blue Jackets are here. That's cool, but they're a couple hours up the road. And I think the fact that Cincinnati's been able to, for the most part, take away a couple of, you know, two-year hiatuses here or there, they've been able to field a hockey team for the most part. Like you said, since the 80s, the Cyclones have had three different franchises, ECHL, IHL, and then now back in the ECHL again. So those mighty mighty ducks were in there. Who was the who was the one in the eighties? The Stingers were the seventies. Yep. Stingers okay. were the seventies. And then we had the Tigers well, we, for a season okay. in the eighties. And then that was they were the Central Hockey League. Yep. And the Cyclones came along in the late eighties. And then the Ducks were concurrently here at the same, which I wanted to get to, which yeah. was interesting. Oh, the, the Ducks were here at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you do, don't you read the blog? <laughs> the Ducks were here. I just figured yeah. they left or I they just changed their logo to the Cyclones. That's what the first blog post I wrote. They played at the Gardens. Well, I'm glad we're learning something today, The fellas. Ducks played at the Gardens, yep. <laughs> and the Cyclones played downtown, and they would both draw 3,000 fans yeah. a game. And people were scratching and well, why can't we just have one team that draws 6,000 fans? Mm-hmm. And it's still difficult to do that. And the Ducks the Ducks were actually the American Hockey League, the AAA team. So they were, they were, the, they were one step below uh, the NHL. And they were playing at the Gardens, and we were playing at the, was it U.S.? No, what was it back then? The first uh, the star? The star. The crown, and then the first star. Okay, center. the crown. So yeah, we were still playing right downtown there. And again, like, like he said, from the stories that I've heard, you know, ducks are at home on a Friday. We're at home on a Friday, three thousand, four thousand, five thousand at both. So you've got ten thousand hockey fans right there in Cincinnati. Yeah, at wow. the same time yep. cheering on two different teams. Yeah, I'll link to that blog post by the way. <laughs> yeah. Get yeah, PS our uh, local historian so here. So the ECHL now, forgive yeah. my ignorance. Is it still double A? It's still double A. Okay. Yeah, still double A. I thought since the IHL went out of business. No, no, it's still double A. You've got uh, the NHL, obviously the uh, the top league, the American Hockey League, the AHL, triple A. We're double A. Single A in hockey isn't officially established. I mean, you've got the Southern Professional Hockey League, but that the talent level kind of falls off there a little bit. Now, the SPHL, they're trying to do a lot more with affiliating with ECHL teams and trying to get their legitimacy up a little bit. Um, but it's it, it's slowly coming along. But the, the three leagues you need to know are the ECHL, which is AA, AHL, AAA, and then the NHL, which is obviously the big UHL still in business? Oh, no. UHL's gone. The Central Hockey League, the CHL, actually was absorbed into the ECHL three years ago. Okay. So Allen, Kansas City, Wichita... Tulsa, Brampton, Ontario, Quad City before they folded, uh, they were all absorbed by um, the ECHL from the Central Hockey League. Rapid City up in South Dakota as well, and then Colorado before they moved to the AHL last season. And the Pacific Coast Hockey League was absorbed years ago. Years ago. It was all those Western teams. Mm -hmm. Long, long time ago. So that would have been, what, Bakersfield, Stockton. Las Vegas. Las Vegas, Alaska, Long Beach. Yeah, so, yeah, that's going back to early 2000s, late 90s even. And it's weird they kept the East Coast Hockey League, even though it's a a national league, it's a coast to coast. Although, it doesn't work. You only go to Las Vegas, like, 
one, well, not anymore, you know. Not anymore. So the but far, you only go out west once a year, the right? The farthest, well, so the farthest west team we have is Boise, Idaho. So Alaska folded okay. a few years back. Stockton, Bakersfield, Ontario, they all got absorbed into the American Hockey League a few years back. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So now in the ECHL, our farthest west team is Idaho. Now, I don't know if the rules are still the same, but the old rule, or the, the, the rule used to be, that if you're an East Coast team, and I don't know where they define that parameters, I think it's maybe like since Fort Wayne West or Fort Wayne East. So if you're Fort Wayne East, every three years you have to make a long trip, a West Coast trip. So every three years you have to go to Rapid City, you have to go to Idaho, you had to go to Stockton or Alaska back in the day. Now I don't know. With all those West Coast teams leaving, I don't know what that is now because your your outliers are now going to be Utah, and then they're also going to be um, Idaho as well. So those are the big uh, those are the big question marks. And then you got down south, you got Florida. There's three Florida teams now. You got Texas, you've got Oklahoma. Uh, we just added Newfoundland and Labrador up in uh, St. John in Canada, so that's way, way up there. So, you know, it still is kind of a coast-to-coast league. They don't call themselves the East Coast Hockey League anymore. It's the ECHL. So it's like when, oh, it's just yeah, it's just, it's just ECHL. So uh, it doesn't stand it doesn't stand for anything. So interesting. <laughs> remember, remember when uh, when uh, TLC the TV network was the Learning Channel? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they just said, nope, screw that. You're We're not, just gonna go TLC. Not gonna learn nothing you're here. Learn nothing here. We're gonna watch. We don't uh, want no scrubs. Ninety days and pregnant, <laughs> or ninety day fiance, or whatever it yeah. is. My six hundred pound life, and that's about it. That's so. it, man. <sighs> so I imagine you know you've been in a lot of cities yes. in your spot, and so. I also mentioned the uh, range of facilities mm-hmm. varies greatly because we're, I mean, our building was a hockey palace back yeah. in the 70s. That and the Coliseum of oh, Cleveland, yeah. since flattened, <laughs> uh, were like two of the most gorgeous buildings and probably kept the WHA alive mm-hmm. in the 70s because they, they were building these new buildings and the NHL teams were still playing in these old buildings. But anyway, so I'd imagine, like, what's the, I guess, what's the rinkiest rink you've been in and what's the nicest rink oh, in the league <laughs> so uh, man that that's a tough question so every rink so the rinks itself that we play in are all pretty good rinks i mean i mean they're all four to five thousand seat venues a lot of them have gone under renovations lately so what you see out front as in terms of either outside or in terms of in the seating bowl with the ice those are all pretty for the most part, pretty nice. Where you start getting into the uh, is the is the behind the scenes area. There are a few locker room areas in this league that are. Don't they read your rider? As I'm saying, right? Yeah, they, yeah. Bowl of green M&Ms. I, I want green M&Ms, white couches. I want ferns <laughs> in the corners. Um, man, and I, you know what? I feel so bad for always picking on this town. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I've met nothing but nice people here. They are a very passionate fan base, um, and and they support their team. They are a hardworking group of individuals. That said, Uh-oh. lay it out. Wheeling, West Virginia, <laughs> their locker room area. Um, now I know they want to do uh, some renovations and they want to do a few things like that, but uh, as of right now, like this, the locker room is just kind of like it's just old and. I, they're split off into two different locker rooms. So, like, the D and the goalies are in one room, and then the forge are in another room. And it's just, yeah, it's just kind of 
you know, it smells old, kind of mold, mildewy. But again, that adds, I think, to that that hockey allure, right? I think that's the romantic thing. That's the sexy thing about yeah. minor league hockey. Telling the stories, you know, it, it's slap shot, right? Going through all the old rinky dink rinks. And, you know, I remember the one time I was yeah. in the shower and wherever and the hot water stopped working. So we took cold showers and it was in the middle of winter time and blah, blah, blah. You get a lot of those stories that, you know, are oftentimes told with great lore and, and yeah. things like that. Started so, from the bottom. Now we hit Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I, I think Wheeling, of the places that I've been, Wheeling probably gets the vote there. Best uh, facility that I think we play in, um, it's close, but I feel like Toledo. I mean, for for what they've been able to do in a relatively short amount of time in terms of a brand new building, in terms of turning Toledo into a hockey town. I mean, they, they've sold out every game in the last few years. I mean, oh, they wow. routinely average wow. standing room only crowds of 7,500, 8,000 fans a game. Beautiful building up there. Beautiful locker room for the players. Um, Wi-Fi is terrible in that building. <laughs> I can't get any cell phone service in that building. So it's always, that, something. always something. Always something. Always <laughs> something. So I, I, those, would be, those would be my two... Uh, votes at least at least from my perspective now i mean if you want to get into some of the other nuances like best food or best press box view or whatever best media meal i mean i think we i could i could talk for hours about well and i imagine some towns are easier to get to than others sometimes st john newfoundland oh yeah it's a lot different i mean toledo's probably pretty easy to get to yeah toledo that's that's a two and a half hour ride up 75 you're going out 74 to go to indy that's about two hours away fort wayne you're going through a couple of backcountry roads which i would hate to be stuck on in winter time but that's relatively easy to get to but you know for us in my time here, we did a uh, two-week stay in Boise, Idaho, and uh, Anchorage, Alaska. So we flew from Cincy to Minnesota over to Boise, stayed in Boise for a couple days, played there, went up to Anchorage, stayed there for a week and a half. And then, yeah. Yes, it wasn't a game. It wasn't a game, yeah. Uh, so we stayed there for a week and a half. Um, and then came back. So the flights are always the toughest part because you have to consolidate all your gear. I mean, that's a huge investment. The long bus trips, I don't mind the long bus trips. I love traveling. Uh, but we've had, let's see, the longest bus trip I think that I've been on here in Cincinnati was about 23 hours. We were going down to Fort Myers and our bus broke down outside Ooh. of um, Atlanta. And it was hot. Like We were in the middle of November. It was still wet and sticky and humid. And the bugs that were the size of your head were <laughs> buzzing around the bus. And it was our trainer pulled out the table. He was doing treatments on the side of the road. Like it was, it was a scene out of, um, out of Bull Durham. You know, the bus breaks down. Like it was, it was, uh, it was a very interesting time. But, um, so, yeah, like you said, some towns are easier to get to than others. Whenever you have to cross the border, that's never fun because you have to get off oh, the bus yeah. and get your IDs checked. You have to search the bus, blah, 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 blah. I don't think that there, there's – I've never been to St. John's, uh, Newfoundland. I know a lot of folks who have been, and they said that that is a pretty – that's a rough trip. But once you're there, it's worth it. It's, it's beautiful. It's too. a great yeah. town, apparently. Um, one of our players, actually, Justin Vive, uh, he's played up there a couple times uh, when he was in the American League. Um, and the story that he tells would freak me out. I don't, I don't mind flying. I really enjoy flying. But I guess where the airport is in St. John's, it's on an island. 
because of the weather up there, it's very foggy, it's very cloudy, so you can't see when you're landing. And sometimes the pilot can't even see when he's landing. So you get down far enough and you think you're lined up and you're too high for the runway, well, then you got to come back around and do it again. He said he was on a plane one time and it was about an hour the, the, it was too cloudy to land, so they just kept doing loops around the airport. Jeez. They would come in for a landing. Nope, got to go back up and try it again. And I would, I would be freaking oh out. Oh my gosh, yeah, that'd be too much. And I don't, I don't get scared flying. I, I thoroughly enjoy flying. Um, I don't like small planes. My girlfriend and I went on a, on a trip this year. We came back on like a little small plane, and I was like holding her hand the whole time. I'm not, I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit that. So, um, I was, I do not like small. My mom calls them puddle jumpers. I don't like yeah. those planes. Like, give me a big 747 where I can be protected. <laughs> so who are the Cyclones affiliations with? We are with uh, Buffalo in the NHL and then Rochester in the American Hockey League. Uh, ironically, because that's uh, the Swords. The Swords. We used to be the Swords, and we were affiliated with them back in the 60s, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yep. So you go. going into year three of that affiliation. Okay. And they've been they've been a huge, huge help for us in terms of support from a coaching perspective. I mean, they send down their development coaches all the time to work with our players. They've given us, you know, anywhere between five and ten affiliates each of the last two years. Probably gonna have another ten this year. Um, and they they are really, really committed to development from the bottom to the top. You know, they want the ECHL team to be just as successful as the NHL team is. And and that's something that is very refreshing to see. And I know I think I know this from listening to my St. Louis Blues that occasionally yeah. uh, a, a guy the on the NHL team will get injured and mm-hmm. as in baseball they'll send them down to do some rehab starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that happen a lot in the ECHL? It doesn't happen in the ECHL because I think the way that contracts in the collective bargaining agreement work, it's all about games played. It's all about your seniority. So, for instance, like Sidney Crosby, right? Sidney Crosby gets injured. He can't go down to Wilkes-Barre Scranton or he can't go to Wheeling to rehab. Like, he has to rehab in, in Pittsburgh. He can't play games for another organization. So... Um, and, and again, it's all about different contract types and what type of, like, if you're a, if you're a category one unrestricted free agent, if you're an RFA two, if you and, and I don't, I don't even know all the details of that, but like Joey Votto gets hurt. He can go to double A rehab there for a little bit, go to triple A, kind of work his way up in the NHL. It's a bit more complicated than that. Because a little more contact. A little more contact, I mean, obviously, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's contract wise. And that's why. Like we when we affiliated with the Buffalo Sabers, um, it was it was interesting because Jack Eichel plays for the Sabers and he's a very very uh, large superstar and I think he was going through um, some injury issues a couple of years ago if my memory serves correctly and a few folks in our office were like hey could Jack Eichel come down here and rehab and I'm like ah, unfortunately it's not quite like uh, like baseball where they would send them down yeah. you know Eichel would have to rehab on his own mm-hmm. in practice. A lot of NHL teams will have what they call black aces, which is essentially the practice squad. So around playoff time, they'll bring up guys from the AHL to be practice squad players. So you're making, you know, you're you're still making your a decent salary, but you're being paid to practice. So the practice squads aren't as official as the NFL practice squads are, but um, that's probably 
the best that they'd be able to do in terms of getting their star back into to game action. Hmm. Interesting. And you said the players are just coming into town now, and you were kind of yeah. talking before we started recording that they all live in like the same place. Like, what's the life of a minor league hockey player like now? Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, honestly, if I was a twenty-one to twenty-nine, thirty-some-year-old guy, I would I'd love the hockey, the minor league hockey life. Uh, pay sucks, but uh, you know, it, as as is the job with any with as as is the case with any entry level job. But no, so yeah, in our league, we're responsible for um, supplying housing for players. So we uh, have all of our players up in the same apartment complex. Uh, we take care of all their meal or um, their I should say their bills, so cable, internet, electricity. So wow. only thing that they're responsible for is their food. Um, if they have a car, they got to pay the note on the car, cell phone bill, clothes, all that stuff. Tender account. Tender accounts, <laughs> Bumble accounts, all that stuff. So that's on you. If you want to pay the extra for tender, that's on you. Um, and then on the road, uh, we get per diem per day. So it's like 40-some-odd bucks a day for all your meals. So, um, And then you, you, you're getting paid to play hockey. And I think... Nowadays, the ECHL has done a really good job of, of becoming and wanting to change that perception that, you know, long, long time ago, ECHL was seen as you go to a fight, you go to a bar, and a hockey game breaks out. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, you know, the vet rules are down to four. So each team can only have four vets, which is 260 pro games. So they want more younger. They want more skill. Um, a lot of NHL teams are now seeing the importance and are realizing that the value that ECHL has. So I think it's really, really cool that a lot of these players in this league, if needed, could probably step in and play a role in the American Hockey League. NHL is obviously a, a, a big animal, but... I would be willing to venture that on every team in our league, there's at least one player on their roster that could probably jump into an NHL game. They may not, you know, they may not be scoring a hat trick their first night, but they wouldn't look totally lost. And I think that is that that is a huge testament to where this league was in let's say 2000 to where it is now going into 2020. I mean, the ECHL is going into its 32nd year, and they've had more NHL graduates. So they've had more players from their league, from the ECHL, going into the NHL from the past 10 years than in the previous 21 years combined. Wow. So, I mean, I think the ECHL is up to like 730-ish NHL alums, and a lot of that 730 has been from within the past 10, 12 years. Wow. Yeah. So the league's pretty healthy overall. It's very healthy overall. There, I mean, they we just added, like I said, we just added a team um, in Newfoundland uh, last year who won the championship in their first season, and they're even they're looking at additional markets. I don't know what those markets are, but they're always trying to find expansion. Um, minor league hockey and even junior hockey, to some degree, has always had this reputation of here today, gone tomorrow, and I think the ECHL is is really trying to make sure that. If you're going to come into a market, you're going to stay in that market. You know, you don't get to come in for two years and then leave. Uh, although Quad City just did that, but <laughs> um, but but for the most part, like you don't get to come in for a year or two and then and then take your talents elsewhere or realize, oh wait, this wasn't for me. I think they want to make sure that you have a solid business plan that you know your market that you feel and that hockey is viable 
in that market. They want strong teams and they want strong markets. And that's why you have a lot of cities, um, you know, hockey being found very, very popular into a lot of non-traditional hockey markets. There's three teams in Florida now. Jacksonville, in their uh, first season, they were in the top five in attendance in Jacksonville, Florida. Orlando, they regularly get 5,000 fans a game. Wow. Florida, they get about four or 5,000 fans a game. Um, you know, we've got teams out in Utah. Boise has always done well. In the NHL, I mean, there are so many players now coming out of Florida, Texas, Arizona, Southern California, Vegas. I think we have a, there's a player on our team, an incoming player this year, uh, who's from Vegas. So, I mean, you've got a lot of hockey players and a lot of hockey being played in non-traditional hockey markets. And I think that only adds to the strength of the league trying to find new markets to go into to sustain hockey in. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, to, to, that was a very, very, very roundabout way of answering your, your question. Is the, is the Where's Cincinnati have... uh, rank in the league as far as attendance? Tenants, uh, so our attendance has grown every year over the past 10 years. So we've, we've taken a step up every single season. We had a little bit of a dip. Um, I think we dropped an average of like 300 fans a couple years ago, but we're over 5,000 fans a game. Um, and in this league, 5,000 fans, that's a really good average. We were ninth in attendance uh, this season. How many teams are in the league now? 27. So it was the idea to get to as many NHL teams as, or as ECHL teams, everybody has an affiliate? Ultimately, yeah. That's okay. that's always been the goal, but you don't want to rush to get there. And that's no. kind of where you talk about, that's where I was talking about the commissioner's office and the league board of governors doing their due diligence when it comes to trying to do research and scout out these markets. You know, the end goal for the ECHL is to have that one-to-one-to-one model. And a lot of NHL teams now are starting to buy and purchase their American Hockey League affiliates. So you look at Edmonton, they own Bakersfield. Calgary owns Stockton. Um, you see a lot more with the West Coast teams. I believe Anaheim owns San Diego as well. Texas and Dallas, I think they're owned uh, together. So a lot of these teams are starting to buy up their affiliates, and I don't know if that's going to ever trickle down to the ECHL side. Like I said, the league is becoming a lot more skilled, and they're putting a lot more emphasis on development. So I think that's going to help get to that one-to-one-to-one mile. And then for a time, Chicago had three teams. Yes. They had the Blackhawks, of course, mm-hmm. the Wolves in the AHL, mm-hmm. and then the, a team played out in Hoffman Estates, the Express. The Express. They lasted for one year. Were they in the ECHL? They were in the ECHL. <laughs> there you go. And well, PF so, noticed them. And and so... Uh, <laughs> my job, Mr. <laughs> my, my, my buddy, the guy who was in Orlando <laughs> who helped me get the job here, yeah. was actually the Express broadcaster for, oh, wow. for their only season, <laughs> yeah. Bob Mills, their only season uh, in the ECHL. And he said, like, it was because he, he's a big Chicago fan. It was a lot of fun working there. But, I mean, like, Chicago, again, you've got the Blackhawks and the Wolves are 10 miles apart. And traffic, that's about four hours in Chicago. So you're about, <laughs> you know, so you're, you're, you're super close uh, there. And, and it just, Hoffman Estates is even further down the road. So, I mean, it was just, it was impossible to get to, but you know, for the year that they had, I don't know a lot of the inner workings, the behind the scenes stuff, but from the year that they had, it sounds like they, they had a decent fan base there. I know the Cyclones and Wolves had, or uh, the Cyclones and Express had some pretty good rivalries. I've seen a lot of the old tapes. I think that year we played 14 times against, uh, against the Express and fights in just about every single game. Like it was a, it was a really, really good rivalry for that year they were here. When I was in high school, I, I tried to bring minor league hockey to my 
hometown because we were building an arena. And I was, it was kind of a joke, but I was kind of half serious. I'm like, well, why not? I mean, we're building this. Of course, they didn't want to put any seats in it. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's basically a high school hockey arena. <laughs> but I'm like, why not go all the way here and you know bring bring minor league hockey to the suburbs? And why not? They weren't having. It. There's a there's a federal hockey league team, the Mentor. Uh, what are they? The Mentor Ice Sharks or something like that? I think so. Yeah. 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 The federal the federal league they're growing as well. Dayton had a team for. A, are they? I don't know if they still have the. Were they the, the Demons? The I think they, yeah, I'm not about my federal hockey. I forgot about that. That's what I was confusing with the UHL. Yeah, no, the federal league is still alive and I won't say well, but there's, I don't, I don't know if they're well enough. They're still alive. Single or does that fit in? That single A? That that would be below single A, and and I. I mean this with the most, with the utmost respect, because those players work hard down there. I mean, you're getting paid 150 bucks a week. Like, a lot of these guys are working in, like, grocery stores and, like, wow. you know, they've got side jobs. But, like, I I would I would compare the Federal Hockey League. It's below it's below single A or the, the SPHL. It probably would be, like, the Florence Freedom, I would say. Like, uh, like independent. Independent. Uh, yeah. Independent level. You've got some talent down there. But for the most part, those guys are playing because they love the game. They're good at it. You know, and it's 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 an opportunity for them to play the game that they love at a at a professional level. Yeah, and so is, that, is that guys like you said the ECHL's youth focus, but is it is the federal league more like guys who can't imagine not playing? Because that's what a lot of these indoor football leagues are. Yeah, a lot of, yeah. I, mean, I I I feel like I mean if if advanced beer league maybe. Yeah, I, 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 but I, I, it's a lot better than that. I don't want to call it. I, I, that sounds so terrible. How can like, it be better if there's no beer? Exactly, right? <laughs> but like advanced beer league maybe. Uh, but yeah, no, but you have a lot of guys in that league, a lot of fights in that league, a lot of older guys. And in, in hockey, it's sad to say, like once you're 30 years old, you're considered old. I mean, we've like you're 30, 31, 32 years old. Like, oh boy, hang him up, buddy. He's <laughs> Same thing with the t-shirt business. <laughs> <laughs> Man, so you, so you mentioned uh, like the Florence Freedom yeah. and whatnot. So it seems like a lot of like the the minor league leagues or games, yeah. or, uh, teams, whatever. They rely on the gimmicks, the the fun promotions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, almost like to the point where the game is secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not like that at the ho- at the, the Cyclones games. But what are some of the fun things that you guys do on a regular? Year in year out basis that uh, fans look forward to. So our biggest thing is about family friendly and affordable entertainment. I mean, we love when families come out to our games, and again, that goes back to it all comes full circle with exposing kids and and young people to hockey because you take your son or your daughter to a hockey game, and then they are like, oh my god, like mom, dad. I, they were so fast in the ice. I want to play. Well, you're going to want to make your kids happy. So if, you know, little Jack or little Sally want to learn how to skate, you're going to tell them no. Like, you know, yeah. you're, going to, you're going to try to foster that. So um, every year we do a lot of family-centered um, promotions. We have got a fantastic league partnership with Marvel as well as Nickelodeon. So every year we do like a Marvel superhero on the weekend. This year we're doing three um, days of Marvel, uh, and then we're going to be doing three days of Nickelodeon. So this year we're going to be doing SpongeBob on a Friday. We're going to be doing uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on a Saturday, and then Paw Patrol on a Sunday. And we wear specialty jerseys with that. Um, for Nicolo- for uh, Marvel weekend, we're going to be doing Spider-Man uh, this year. We're going to be doing Batman for 
for DC Comics. Every Saturday, there's always something for kids, for families to do. We've got Star Wars weekend this year um, as well. Our Wizards weekend, uh, which is a takeoff of a very popular uh, young wizard who I can't say for licensing reasons, oh, but yeah. um, his name rhymes with Larry uh, well, Cotter. Yeah, welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> welcome back, Cotter. Larry Cotter. So, uh, Larry Cotter sound like weekend is this weekend as well. <laughs> Larry um, Cotter. <laughs> we do... <laughs> We do uh, Pucks and Pups. You can bring your dog to the arena twice this year. We're doing a Wednesday game. And then our uh, annual wiener dog races onto the ice. So there's always something for everyone. And then, of course, Dollar Beer Nights every Wednesday and Thursday. Home games. Um, We'll do Dollar Beer Nights as well. Uh, Cyclones Fight Cancer this season as well, where we're drawing attention to all types of cancer. Um, And then our first ever Shut Out the Hate Night this season, where we are going to be partnering with local LBGTQ groups this season um, and drawing attention to not only, um, you know, wanting to, to bring attention to that issue, but we also just want to celebrate the diversity of our staff of our players of our city of our fan base i mean because let's face it what's the number one you know misconception about hockey like it is it is an old white man sport right but it's slowly turning into more of a global sport into more of a um diverse multicultural multi-racial multi-gender uh sport so being us wanting to celebrate all of those differences and everyone um, who loves the game of hockey. I mean, hockey is for everyone, and that's kind of uh, our moniker. Hockey is anyone's game. You know, we want to make sure that no matter who you are, what gender, what color, what nationality, what sexual orientation, whatever you believe, whatever you feel, whoever, whatever you are, we want you to feel comfortable, um, and we want you to come to our games, and we want you to enjoy yourselves and be a part of the Cyclones family. So that's what we're going to be aiming to celebrate. Um, on our uh, Shut Out the Hate Night, which I am super excited about uh, hosting this year and, and partnering with these people, uh, these wonderful organizations, and, and seeing what we can do to, to, to bring the game of hockey to a segment who, you know, oftentimes is very much underrepresented and, and, and who there's hockey fans out there, and we would love to find them. Didn't you do a Stingers Night? Last year, we did a Cincinnati Flying Pigs night last okay. year. So, oh, yeah, that yeah, pink jerseys. Yeah, okay. And that was celebrating the Flying Pig Marathon. Uh, and we actually okay. we took that from baseball. So you know how all these minor league baseball teams are rebranding themselves um, as different food items, right? Like it was the the Lehigh Valley Bacon, I believe, for a game. The Rochester Plates, the Fresno Tacos. I wanted to <laughs> be the, yeah. I wanted to be the Cincinnati three. Ways apparently that's uh, you know yeah, whatever. Yeah. I guess that got voted off the table. Um, so oh we <laughs> we went <Watch> to that. <laughs> <laughs> so we went uh, for the one night only rebrand last year. Very very popular. We're gonna do it again this year. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary of the Beast roller coaster over oh, at Kings nice. Island. Okay. So we're going to be the Cincinnati Beasts for uh, a game this season. We're gonna have special jerseys with the Beast. We got a special uh, bobblehead as well to go along with that night. We're not gonna tell what that is yet. That's gonna That's be announced awesome. here pretty soon, but. There'll be a bobblehead with that night. We're going to partner with Kings Island to maybe get uh, a few players out there, do a Cyclones Day or something out there. Maybe we're, we're still in talks uh, with their people over there. So, um, again, 
local trying to, to celebrate the that that difference you know the, the the different things to do in Cincinnati and I think being able to partner with them and to say like hey like this is the iconic roller coaster of Kings Island I mean why not so oh, yeah, cool. that'd be so nice. cool. you mentioned that you know, hockey being a worldwide sport yeah. it reminded me uh is there are a lot of foreign players coming into the ECHL, or do they make a lateral move from like the KHL over to the NHL? Because I know in the seventies mm. that's when all that started. You know what? It, yes and no. I think in our league, a lot of the foreign-born players are here because they're either a on um, an American league or an NHL contract, or you know, there's always a couple of Russian players or a couple of Swedish players who are trained in America. So I'm from Moscow, but I played junior hockey in the USHL. I went to college over here um, because maybe I felt that was the fast, the fastest route to the NHL. But um, that said, we do have quite a few, um, you know, internationals on our team and in our league. We've had a couple of Swedes each of the past couple of years. We've had a few Czechs. We've had a couple of Russians. There is a, a Japanese-born player in uh, in Wheeling right now, and um, Atlanta actually <laughs> only one, only one. Yeah, Thanks. Uh, Atlanta actually just signed uh, four uh, Chinese national players to their team. With the Olympics coming up in Beijing, China is putting a really big emphasis on hockey um, and wanting to do well in hockey. So you're seeing a lot of pro players who have ties to China, either family ties or or what have you, going to play professionally over there in China to help drum up support. And the same thing here is that a lot of from a junior level, and then like I said with that with that Atlanta program, uh, the Gladiators bringing over those four, getting trained over here. And, and maybe either A, trying to draw attention to uh, the Chinese Hockey Federation and, and, you know, the KHL now has a, a Chinese team in Beijing. Um, there's two uh, KHL teams playing in, uh, in Asia right now over there. So hockey is, is really growing, especially in Asia. Um, Nathan Walker, who played for the Capitals, is the first Australian-born player in the NHL. Um, he was actually in Youngstown when I worked for the USHL League office. Um, and again, don't see a lot of hockey over in Australia, but there's a hockey league in Australia that's uh, slowly becoming, um, you know, better and better talent-wise. Just about every single European country has their own hockey league, either a top league or a third-level league or whatever. But, you know, Slovakia, Finland, uh, Russia, Germany, Austria, there's so much hockey over uh, overseas in Europe, and it's, it's slowly starting to trickle into other parts of the world as well. Could the NHL succeed at Cincinnati, you think? Uh, you know what? I, th- th- selfishly, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I, I think it can. And, and, and I, I feel like, um, you know, with Columbus being only a couple hours at the road, I think your, your biggest um, hurdle is going to be trying to win those fan bases over. Um, but I yeah. think... I, I think with Cincinnati, look at how they've embraced Major League Soccer. Right. And look at how, you know, you bring that three-letter league into a town like Cincinnati, who everyone always says, you know, Cincy, we're longing for a winner. Cyclones have won two championships in the last, you know, 12 years, but that's beside the point. Um, <laughs> not going to say anything there. Regular season, regular season champions last year, but whatever. Uh, Cincinnati, you know, they, they want that winner. They want that that major championship. And I think I think the NHL could survive here. I think the NBA could survive here. But, again, going back to the whole ECHL expansion model, it has to make sense. Yeah. 
you look at Cincinnati right now, a lot of Jackets fans before the Jackets, a lot of Red Wings fans here, a lot of Blackhawks fans here. So you're already kind of like segmenting that population. You add another team into the mix there. So now you've got Columbus, you've got Cincinnati blank. You've got uh, Detroit. You've got Chicago. Nashville's only four hours down the road, and what they've been able to do in their hockey in that market is is nothing short of fantastic. I mean, they've been able to turn a country music haven and, and you know, a football Tennessee volunteer state into a hockey-crazed uh, society down there. They yeah. love the Predators down there. So That is an amazing feat when you think about it. It is. But I still yeah. think it makes more sense than Miami, yeah. Tampa, it, yeah. Phoenix. I mean, Cleveland, Indianapolis, yeah. uh, Cincinnati should all have. And all, we all had successful pro teams in mm-hmm. the 70s. Just, you know, the, the, the money ran out. And, in fact, the arena was built. People think the arena was built for the Royals yeah. and for the Stingers. It wasn't. It was built for the Stingers, period. The Royals were gone, and Bill DeWitt wanted to bring pro hockey here, and they, the uh, WHA said, well, we're not going to play in the gardens. Okay. Uh, so we're, so you got to build a building. And he said, okay, we'll build a building, and they did. They built a building. Yeah, right. and it survives to this day. Nice. Yeah. I, I, um, need a new one, right? Don't. What do you that, think about that? Like yeah, the whole changes of, oh, man, I call I, it arena. I, I got to put my PR hat on here. Um, so we're, <laughs> we, we're. It's perfect. It's perfect. No, we're still, uh, now you mean like the, uh, the a new building or new, the, the renaming? The new building. A little bit of both, just updates in general. Cause yeah, it's like, so. We, I mean, we're still in talks with the county commissioners and with the city and with the county. I mean, it's a very delicate process. Um, you know, obviously, we'd love to have a new building. I mean, I, and I think the city of Cincinnati would love a brand new building. I mean, you look at, you got 36 guaranteed dates with Cyclone Hockey. You've got all the concerts that come through every year. I mean, yeah, so yeah. many skip over so us. So many skip over yeah. us. But, you know, that that's one of those things where we still get wrestling. St- twice we still a get wrestling twice a year. But, I mean, but, but even still, even with that, look at, I mean, the last four. So I've been here now for four years, and we've had a five show run of Garth Brooks. We've had Metallica. We've had Elton John. We've had Kevin Hart twice. Uh, Rihanna's been here. The Weeknd's been here. Um, Radiohead. Radiohead's been here. We had <laughs> Foo Fighters and the Red Hot Chili Peppers within like a week and a half of each other. Celine Dion's coming. Um, we're going to be announcing a few other pretty big shows for next season coming up here in the coming weeks and months. So, I mean, we're still managing to get some pretty big acts. But, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we're still very diligently working with the, the, the higher-ups that are involved. I mean, um, it's one of those things. I hate this line, but it's like it's above my pay grade. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like the people in power, yeah. they kind of keep that stuff close to the vest. But, you know, Kristen Ropp, our GM, Ray Harris, who is our, our chairman and owner of the team, you know, they are routinely trying to, to find ways to get this financed. And, you know, we still hold out hopes to, to have a beautiful brand new building, you know, down there on the river sooner rather than later. But, you know, as of right now, um, you know, we're still going to be playing at the rink downtown and, you know, we're, we're making upgrades to it and slowly trying to improve the the fan experience. You know, we've got brand new glass a couple of years ago for the team. we got a brand new sound system this year. We're doing all new lighting uh, this season as well. Um, rumor has it that we may be in the market for some new seats uh, in the coming seasons, uh, coming years as well. So all that stuff is, is is being talked about, but we're still holding out hope uh, of getting that uh, that brand new shiny diamond down there on the on the riverfront. I mean, for the layperson, it's still a great place to watch yeah. the game. I mean, it is. And the big 
the reason people want new arenas isn't so much for you know the lower bowl area mm-hmm. because the lower bowl is the lower bowl. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about the suites and the boxes and the loges. That is, and I mean, and, yeah. and, and if you you read any kind of like sports business journal or if you look at any of these new buildings that are being built right now, I mean, it is all about the experiential areas. It's all about the the lounges, the loges, the the clubs, the VIP areas. I mean, I look look at uh, Miami, the, the the Dolphins' new football stadium. They got a, a pool. Down there, I yeah. saw the renderings. Uh, the the Chargers and the Rams are going to pull uh, Jets and Giants, and they're going to share a stadium. And that place, like that, is going to be fantastic. I was in Vegas this year, um, and I drove by the Raiders' new building. That place is going to be a palace all in itself. And you know, that's and again, that's an area that you know should um, we get a brand new building. You know, we're definitely going to look at you know getting a lot of those experiential areas in there, getting a lot of the suites, the mid level suites, the upper level suites, the different restaurants and clubs and things like that. But I will say for, you know, as as many flaws as, as people say U.S. Bank Arena has, you know, Joe Wallach, who is our, um, our, our building director, our operations manager there, and Kristen, like, they have done, like, a fantastic job of not only bringing in big shows, but, like, doing upgrades where they're needed. And, I mean, you wouldn't be able to tell when you go in there that you know a lot of work goes into to to that building every day they love it they really care about it and you know there are some things that have been improved in the four years that i've been there and like i said a lot of the the new sound system the new led boards you're getting um as well so just they've done such a good job of trying to and i i hate to say this and i mean this in the in in the nicest way possible, they've done such a great job of like making the best of a bad situation, of like doing what you can, and again, all the hard work that goes into that place, it is still you know one of my favorite places to be that I've been in, even a lot of the newer buildings that I've been to. You know, there's something about going to an old barn, as they call it, right? And being able to it's play. A, it's a historic building. It's a historic And it reminds yeah. me of Joe Louis Arena. It reminds yeah. me so much of the Joe. And I spent a lot of time there as a kid, you know, going to the Red Wings games and college hockey games there and being able to go into U.S. Bank Arena and seeing everything that's gone on in that building from a hockey perspective, from a concert perspective, from a, I think, the NCAA basketball. They, we've had all types of stuff there. And being able to see everything that's come through that building, I think it's really special. Uh, the naming, I've got an idea for you. Yeah. You steal it from a buddy of mine who had this idea okay. years ago in college. But I don't know how much U.S. Bank paid for it. Mm-hmm. The, the numbers might not work out. You hold a sweepstakes. Okay. Ten bucks. <laughs> ten bucks. I would pay ten bucks for a chance to have the P.F. Wilson Arena for, for a season. <laughs> and then you do it all again. And I know you have, you know, but, yeah. but it'll appear in all the programs. Wheeling Nailers at Cincinnati Cyclones, P.F. Wilson Arena. <laughs> You wouldn't pay ten bucks for that chance. I'm not for it. I, 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 right? Yeah. And that, that would be a really cool idea. Yeah. Shirts buys five hundred tickets and get yeah. Cincy Shirts Arena for a year. Holy crap! <laughs> no, no, we, we'd go with Bodie McBoatface Arena. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, and, and honestly, so that, that's <laughs> just, know, you gotta you, you have some rules. You yeah, there would be some rules because like yeah, I'm not yeah. I I'm not I'm not playing at the the that's a proper name Arena McArena Face Building. Yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. now. Yeah, you gotta be yeah. more creative than proper, that. Proper name, proper name only, or your business yeah. name. That's it. Yeah. No, yeah. That, that'd be cool. And then we've actually had a lot of fans suggest, uh, you know, names for the building. And again, that kind of goes to the the whole above my pay grade thing. Like, again, yeah, yeah. They, they've been 
diligently working with this whole thing. Um, I'm not privy to all the stuff that went on with U.S. Bank as well. Um, you know, I do know that we're working and, and we're hoping to have something here in the future. You know, um, I don't know when that's going to be, but... When when they know we we the collective we will know so yeah. um, it's 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 the the most important thing of the building right now they're trying to put a name on it and you know it's it's just going to be another opportunity for a local company to step up and you know invest some money into it and and say hey you know we want to put our name on on Cincy's only uh, major arena downtown yeah you, you know my uh, prediction is pure romance arena. The Pleasure Palace. Yeah. I've been saying that There's for a long time. There's going to be a section with vibrating seats. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. What, oh, good man. local company? Great story? There you go. Yeah. Don't judge their products. I'm just telling you. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You want to pack the house. There you go. Boy, That's how you do Imagine it. those promotions. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. goodness gracious. We, we, we'd have to have a couple of 21 and up nights, a couple of midnight, uh, midnight, <laughs> midnight games, games. Midnight games. Vegas. The Rang- it's opening up. The, Rang- the Wranglers actually did that back in the day. The Wranglers in Vegas, they used to actually have uh, midnight games. Uh, and every hmm. year, I think, I, I don't know what the official promotion was called, but I, it was essentially like 21 and overnight. Where you know they they had the scantily clad bikini models and they had <laughs> gambling and uh, they had all that kind of stuff. So I think they did that a couple times a year. Well, they, they used to play it right in the Orleans. Yep, right there, the Orleans Arena. Yeah, right there. UK hockey did that too. A friend of mine played club hockey at Bowling Green, and he told me that uh, I guess this was back in two thousand seven six ish around there somewhere. I guess you couldn't go to the bars or bars close at uh, midnight in Kentucky or something like that because uh, of liquor laws and with it being Sunday and all that stuff. So what would happen is the kids would go to the bars, get liquored up, and they'd come <laughs> over to the game, and the club games would start at midnight. And Ooh, they would wow. sell out like 2,000, 3,000, pack them in wow. for UK club hockey. And these kids were hammered <laughs> out there playing, not playing, but out there cheering on the team. So like a good mix. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I, I suggest- flying out your head. reaction time. Delayed. I suggested that one day and I was met with a very swift no, but I like it. You know, <laughs> yeah, like we're not going to do that, but I see where you're going. See and if we can top that. Yeah, see if we can top that. <laughs> Let's do so. 6 a.m. and serve coffee and donuts to oh, the old go. people. Yeah, yeah I, I, you know what? All that stuff, all that stuff. And, Brunch game, yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, it, you see a lot of that in minor league baseball, too. You know, minor league baseball, they are the kings of, like, throwing things at the wall and seeing what will stick. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think with us, it's, we have to be a bit more cerebral with it. You know what I mean? Because we only have 36 times to leave an impression. You know, so if, if, if we had 81 home games a year, hell yeah, we would. I, I would love to oh, do a no, 6 a.m. game or a, <laughs> a midnight game. But, you know, we, we've got 36 times, and we have to make sure that every time you come to a Cyclones game, you leave wanting to come back. So, but I've, 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 I've extended some marketing meetings with my outlandish and crazy ideas of of you know ways we could spend money. Yeah, so. bring it. Hey, you never know <laughs> yeah. gonna stay. Exactly. Are there any games where I can bring like seafood, like uh, like the squids or the octopuses? The octopus, like, yeah, that's, that's right. Here. No, so we don't. Uh, What's we the don't... story behind that anyway? Like I don't. Know. I'll defer to the hot, the red. Oh bit. my goodness! So let me see. Let me see if I can remember this story because I've only ever heard it. Uh, I've only ever heard it twice. I think what happened, this was back in, oh, Lord, maybe the 60s, maybe the 70s. Yeah, I'm not sure. Something like that. I think a local local owner 
uh, store owner came to a Red Wings game. Or he brought, I don't know why he brought an octopus to a Red Wings game, but I guess he was there, got upset at something, or they were playing bad, or something happened. And he got all ticked off, and then he chucked the octopus onto the ice. And it, it, I, I know I'm getting this story wrong, but I've only ever heard it a couple times. But I think that's some angry dude brought an octopus to a game and then chucked it onto the ice, and then it became like the unofficial mascot of the Red Wings. The walleye. They throw a fish onto the ice. I don't know. I think Toledo. Toledo. Sometime yeah. they they throw a walleye onto the ice. So that's a very interesting story as well. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of effort. A lot of effort. It is, yeah, <laughs> a lot of effort. They're probably not cheap. I mean, what's a walleye run these days? Yeah, I, I, I mean, they probably just fish. Have you been to Toledo? Yeah. Oh yeah, they just they, fish out of the arena there. Yeah. Market price. Mar- yeah, right. Market price <laughs> for the walleye. Gary Goldman says I haven't talked to my fish broker today, so prices. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, no, yeah. thanks for having me on, guys. I really enjoy this. Thank and you're you. Gonna, you're going to have a lot of uh, get, what, round up one of your players for us. I think yes, yes. Awesome. Next couple of weeks or so, we'll bring down cool. a, I'll bring down a guy or two, and we'll have some fun with those guys. All right. Yeah. And we've been in touch with the merch guys. Like yep. it's just been, we just got to get in the in the same room together where everybody's available. But yeah, man. It we sounds like there might be some opportunities for some cyclones. All kinds. I mean, yeah. T-shirts. Uh, Obviously, you guys you on. guys do a fantastic job. I mean, you said you have to what three locations now. And yeah. I mean, yeah. it's. I, I see your guys' shirts everywhere. Like, there are times I'll be walking around I'm like, man, I got to get that one. I got to get that one. I got to get that one. So, like, you guys do a fantastic job. So, I mean, ho- hopefully it. we can, uh, you know, we can work together and set that up down the road. But, you know, keep doing what you guys are doing. And, and we hope to keep continuing this partnership at least. And I'll bring on the whole team if you want. So. Right <laughs> so what about your, uh, your personal social media? Do you have anything? That you yes. Can... So, I'm very active on Twitter. Follow me at The Voice Fits, T H E. Okay. V O I C E F I T Z, the voice fits. I'm not on Instagram, unfortunately. I don't take enough pictures to be on Instagram. Uh, um, but follow me on Twitter, and then obviously follow the team at Cincy Cyclones on everything. If you want to stay up to date on the latest news, we're gonna be doing a lot of stuff this year with our players in terms of um, you know more video content and more those kind of chotchki, chicky games. So really want to to get that fan engagement up. We're bringing in a brand new social media person as well to help turn that social media from a team side and uh, from an arena side into a monster. So we're looking forward to a lot of big things from uh, the Cyclones social media space this year. So be sure to follow the team on all of our channels, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, the big ones. So um, looking forward to a big year this year and, and uh, we'll bring a couple players back in and maybe we'll talk to you guys throughout the season and we can get one of these podcasts done maybe at the rink one time down yeah. there. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, on down. We, we'll, we'll travel. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So at the end of every episode, we allow the guests to select a word or okay. a phrase that is used as a promo code. Uh, so when this uh, episode drops on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. this whatever you, whatever you uh, feel you like uh, will be uses a promo code will be good until the next episode drops okay. the following Wednesday. So any word doesn't matter, doesn't have to be related to anything. Just uh you say me your phrase too? Yeah. Whatever. How about he shoots, he scores? He shoots, he scores. Okay, I think we can do that. Yeah. Can you do that one? Yep. All right. Oh, he shoots, he scores. Uh, all right. Awesome. Everett, thanks for coming. Yeah, in. thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. I really appreciate this. Thank you. Yo, ice, ice, baby. Yo, ice, ice, baby. Yo, ice, ice, baby. Yo, ice, ice, baby. Yo, that'll be good.
Everett Fitzhugh, ECHL season begins Friday, October 11th. The Cyclones open their season at home on Saturday, October 12th against those wheeling nailers that uh, Everett was talking about. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com. Put podcast guest in the subject line, then tell us who you'd like to have on. We'll try to track that person down. Uh, be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. And as always, please go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. We're up to 86 episodes now. And uh, we've got everybody from, oh gosh, Frank Marzul and Randy Rico off of Weather, Duke Sinatra from the old Gary Burbank show, Johnny Bench. Bronson Arroyo, uh, so just to name a few. So yeah, go back and check them all out. They're all terrific. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing, who are actually from Philadelphia. How about that? You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, and Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. We have a lot of defunct teams, loads of hockey ones, by the way, and uh, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, that kind of thing, uh, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is he shoots, he scores, all lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate if you like. It still works no matter how you do it. And I use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. You can also go into our physical, or as we say, brick-and-mortar stores in OTR, Hyde Park, and Loveland, and uh, tell them he shoots, he scores, and they'll give you 20% off. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from, and as always, download or stream us next time. Bye!